Welcome to another episode of season three of the Entrepreneur Summit podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Smith, and we are so excited to be back for our third year. Once again, we'll be in Frisco, Texas, and this year we are moving to a two-day event on June 18th and 19th. Now, what's unique about this is you can come for one day or you can come for two days, however you'd like to buy your ticket. We have a one-day option, a two-day option, and a VIP option that gets you into the VIP happy hour in addition to the two-day event. So you can see our entire lineup, get your tickets, use code GUEST, G-U-E-S-T, for 20% off all over at eSummitEvents.com, eSummitEvents.com. Before we get into this episode, I want to first thank our sponsors. First, we have IKEA, and IKEA in Frisco is right next to our venue over at the uh, convention center in Frisco, and they are it's a beautiful facility. They're all about helping business owners with their spaces. So whether you are a solo person with your uh, home office, they will help you redesign that entire thing. Or if you've got an office building that you need some help with with design, utilize their design center because I'm telling you, they are amazing. So check them out. Of course, ikea.com and then specifically to the Frisco one just off 121 and the tollway. We also are welcoming, once again, for the third year in a row, the Frisco EDC. Frisco is a suburb of Dallas, if you don't know about it, and is literally one of the fastest growing cities in America and has has just been voted the best place to start a small business. So it kind of worked out perfectly that we uh, launched our Entrepreneur Summit here and we continue to be here. So the Frisco Economic Development Center is an incredible organization bringing great companies here to Frisco. If you're thinking about starting a business, if you've got a business, you need a great place to build it. I'm telling you, I'm not sure there's a better place to do that than Frisco, Texas. Our other sponsor we want to thank is Salesforce. Salesforce has an incredible suite of products for small businesses. They'll be at this year's summit in addition to helping business owners learn how to utilize some of these amazing tools to streamline set some processes in, save some time, save some money. They'll be here to help you do just that. So check them out over at salesforce.com. And again, you'll be able to meet them on June 18th and 19th at the summit. So go get your tickets now. Hurry up. eSummitEvents.com. Again, use code guest. And uh, here is our next episode of the podcast. Today, We've, we're kicking it off with one of the most important topics. I think it's, it's hiring and how to build the right team and the right culture. And no one better to talk about this than Tracy Tim, Tracy Tim, sorry, Tracy, who is a human capital advisor over at TracyTim.com. Tracy, thank you so much for joining us. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to share what I can with you and your audience. Well, I, like I said, I think this is an uber important topic um, because I know you help a lot with millennials. Well, actually, are you? Is it technically Gen Z or millennials? Uh, it's millennials. But what's interesting is I think most people have, obviously we all don't. Nobody understands millennials, right? But there's a really big division actually between millennials that are now 26 and younger, and millennials that are 27 and older, uh, because you'll find that the older ones actually have a lot of the same core values as their parents did. A lot of them are getting married. A lot of them are having families, and a lot of them have more loyalty than I think people expect. It's the younger ones that people are just really struggling to uh, to engage these days. And unfortunately for us, they're becoming the largest part of the workforce very steadily. <laughs> I think the stats are that by 2020, they're going to make up over half. 
um, which is just crazy to think about. Wow. Okay. So this is extremely important because now you have to not just understand millennials, but the two different kinds of millennials. Oh my God. And I feel like an old person that I'm like, millennials. I know. I know. Even though I'm right on the cutoff, but that's okay. But, um, you, we're going to do, you're going to do one of our workshops on our personal development and leadership track. And I think this fits perfectly because it's really one of those things you as a business owner to scale, to grow, you've got to be a great leader. And you've got to be able to lead your teams, hire the right teams, build the right culture, which is all part of that. And we were talking right before the call. And I said, you know, it's, it's interesting, the shift of companies, you know, when, even when my dad wanted me to go to college, it was, you go get a great job. You go get, go make good money. You work there. You're going to retire. You're going to make a good, it's all good, right? Like it's good living. (laughs) Yeah. And now every, you know, especially the younger generations have realized this sense of purpose and it's not about you're either an entrepreneur or you're an employee, but you can be an entrepreneur or an employee if there's a sense of purpose. So, Mm -hmm. you know, stepping back, maybe you're not ready to hire yet, or maybe you've got a staff in place and you know you've got some upcoming hires, but if you take that step back and maybe you haven't thought about this yet in a business, what are the things you need to look in? Like, how do you need to look into your business? How do you need to transform some things to make this a fit that you're actually thinking more than, well, it's a good job? Oh my gosh. It's, it's, you're, what you're describing is easily one of the biggest shifts, I think, in employment and employment history is that 100% our parents and their parents were just happy to be employed, right? Like, and, and there weren't always a surplus of jobs around. Um, but now that we're out of the recession and, and the workforce isn't growing at the same pace as the demand for talent, right? There's this huge shortage going on. And the people who are winning are the ones that understand that you have to align the company's purpose and the company's goals with something that that individual wants to accomplish, right? They're not just going to be there and be thankful for the job. They're only going to stay if they see that job aligning with their individual purpose, right? And their individual goals, not only for their life um, outside of work, but for their career, the impact I think that they want to make, you know, throughout their lifetime. And so employers who aren't taking that into account are totally missing the boat. You cannot just say that anymore. And, and, you know, it, it sucks, right? This is like, it sucks. It sucks for us business owners because like, you're like, Oh, you, I hired you to do a job. I'm paying you for that job. And so you should that that should be an equal exchange, right? That's an exchange of value. I'm giving you my time, you're giving. I'm giving you money, and you should be happy. Um, but the reality is, they're not, right? We're just not. And I think even if if the business owners who are listening to this are honest with themselves, they've probably been in jobs where they got excellent paychecks, and they're not there anymore for a reason, right? They wanted to accomplish something more. They wanted to have either more influence or more leadership or a bigger impact or make make a change in an industry, whatever. But there's a reason, right? That they're now the ones with the keys and they're not the ones with the company car. It's just the value exchange has really changed. So, so I think, um, especially when you're getting started and then you've got, you know, maybe a couple of people in your organization you have to figure out how to align and tap into that person's goals so that they're not just there for a paycheck. They're there to actually accomplish something meaningful to themselves. Um, so one of the best examples, and I, I love this story. Um, so after uh, this all happened to me very explicitly, that's why I do what I do now. Um, 
And I would say like 99% of the people who hire me for quarter life career coaching are the ones you're talking about. They're like, I hate my job. <laughs> like, I don't, this value exchange is not what I signed up for. And I want to do something I really love. Um, but the same thing happened to me. My first job out of college was on Wall Street. You know, and I had the life that I think everybody probably would be really envious of. And I did a lot of box checking growing up. It was like, get, get all the A's, play a sport, get into a really good school, got into an Ivy League school. Awesome. So now you want to get more A's and you want to get that coveted job with six figures and right. Like that's what society has said success looks like. But the reality is that it's leading to a generation of 25, 30, 35 year olds who are miserable they're miserable. Depression rates have doubled for every single age group over the last 10 years. Every single age group, right? And suicide rates are the highest they've ever been in college students. Like it's, in so I think there's this, this tilt that's happening now, right? Where we're looking for more than just a paycheck, right? So again, the same thing happened to me. I was 25 years old and I was looking for some kind of more meaningfulness other than, you know, I go to this Wall Street Bank every day. And yes, they pay me a good amount of money. And sure, everybody that I graduated with thinks that I'm successful and happy, but am I, right? Am I really? Um, and the sad part is that it's impacting all the rest of our, of our lives outside of work too, right? It, it makes for worse children, worse parents, worse spouses, worse everything, friends, you name it. My friends hated me when I was miserable, right? They were like, just shut up and quit already. So eventually I did. I was really fortunate to re-enroll myself in school and actually go on a semester at sea, which is normally a study abroad program for young, uh, for uh, college age students. But I went at 25, so I was the mama bear and, you know, I was telling everybody, don't leave, stay You were the old one. <laughs> I was. It was great. Uh, but I was fortunate enough on that trip to meet a lot of great mentors, one of which who's had one of the greatest influences in the way that I approach leadership um, as a business owner now uh, is Jeff Hoffman, who's one of the founders uh, of Priceline. And Jeff also was a Yale grad. So we, of course, like bonded and, and had a couple really great conversations. But what he told me that he was able to accomplish was that during his time at Priceline and then every successive company he started after that, he's never had anyone quit. He's never had any employee quit. And I was wow. like, dude, what's the secret sauce? Like, what are you doing that makes these people massively loyal to you and whatever it is that you want to accomplish? Like, what is he doing? And he told me that it is, I think he has a really unique ability to do this, but he actually tried, which is where most people miss the boat. He actually tapped into each person's personal motivations, like why they were coming to work in the first place, and made those aware to everyone else in the organization. So a good example of this is he had a, he had an employee, I don't remember the guy's name, but let's just call him Bob, right? Everyone's generic name is Bob. So Bob came in and he was kind of like down, I guess, after a couple weeks. And so he pulled him into his office, the CEO of the company, right? Pulls him into his office and says, dude, like what's going on? Like, you know, you're kind of phoning it in. Like, why are you here? Like, help me get you excited again. And it turns out that Bob's mom, her house was being foreclosed on. And so every bit of money that he was making at that job that he didn't need to live, he was funneling to his mom so that she could save her house, okay? And it was really weighing on him, right? Because we bring our lives to work, right? Absolutely. None of us are robots. We don't shut down at the beginning of the day and turn back on at the end of the day. So he said, okay, you know what? The company's growing. We're doing really well. You know, you have a good job here. We're going to make next week Bob's mom's house week. 
And he made, he told everybody in the organization, like this week, we're all working to make sure, right? I know I did too. I was like, you did not do that. Right. So he said, yes, next week is Bob's mom's house week. Everything that we're doing in the organization is to make sure that we make more money so we can keep paying Bob. So Bob's mom can keep her house. Right. And to tap into why each person was coming there and their, their actual human need for the job, right? Their actual reason for getting up in the morning, which sometimes is not because they believe in Priceline and they want to make it the best, you know, online service for blah, 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 right? They come because they've got shit going on in their lives that they need to take care of. And that's just the reality sometimes. But as a business owner, to, to, humble yourself enough and to be so radically vulnerable and transparent with your employees to the point where you're like, why are you here? And if I can tap into that and get you excited about it and get everybody else on the team excited about it, like you've made a fundamental change, right? In that person's life and they will stay with you forever, right? Because he never Mm -hmm. once thought Jeff's just going to fire me because I'm having a down week or whatever. Nobody cares about me and why I'm here, right? He felt super engaged. He felt super cared for. And that level of leadership creates massive loyalty. And I think that's where we're missing the boat. And that's where people, you know, I just turned 30 a few months ago. People my age and right around my age are looking for that level of Okay, if you work at Toyota, whatever, like maybe the CEO is not going to pull you in their office and make it Bob's mom's house week, but your boss can, right? Exactly. Your manager can, and you can do that for someone else, and right? right? So, so as a business leader, I think we really need to be radically more transparent and vulnerable and humble with the way that we go about treating our employees. Um, You know, they need to know, like, if you're not having a good day, like, of course you, right? There is a level of professionalism, right? And you can't be the one that's always going to them and and it's a fire drill and I don't know what we're going to do and the business isn't making money. You can't do that. But you you can approach your employees with the mindset of these people are here to help me accomplish something. What can I do for them that's beyond a paycheck, right? To make them massively loyal to me and my cause and what we're trying to accomplish. So that was super long winded, but I love that story because every time I think about it, I think of, you have to remember that these people are real people, right? Right. You didn't hire robots and you don't want to hire robots because your company has zero culture and and you have zero personality and that sucks to work for. Uh, but, But to remember that they're human beings with their own goals, with their own missions, like that's how you retain rock stars is you, you create that massive amount of loyalty to where they just wouldn't want to work for anybody else because nobody's going to treat them as well as you do. I like it. Now, is it something as simple as you define your mission and you know what your mission is as a company and you say, here's our mission. Do you align with this or what goes beyond that? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because when it comes down to practical steps, you can't just make every day Bob's mom's house day. <laughs> be awesome, um, but yeah. It would, it would but... Reality you know, sets in. Right, and we all have priorities and we all have a lot of things to do in a day. Um, so even just to take that time to focus on someone else's priorities is challenging. Not going to, you know, not going to deny that. So I think first and foremost, yes, you have to know what you stand for as a business. Um, in fact, I was challenged on this because um, I thought like my mission and my sort of what I was trying to accomplish as a business owner was obvious. I just thought it was obvious, right? Like people hate their jobs. I have a solution for that. Or companies don't know who to hire. I have a solution for that. 
the mission of the business is obvious, right? It's, and I knew what it was internally, right? I knew it was, it was to bring people alive at work. It was to help somebody align their purpose with their calling, right? To, to, sort of reach, it's almost, to me, it's like a divine thing. It's like, if I can help somebody align why they're here on the planet with what they're doing all day long, then I can help them achieve more of their purpose. And that's awesome. Was that anywhere on my website? No. (laughs) Was it anywhere in my marketing? No, because I was afraid to be that honest. And, right, and to take the time to actually put it down. So I hired an intern about a year ago and in the interview, she put me on, she put me on and was like, so do you have a mission? And I actually had to tell this girl who was, you know, five years younger than me, like, <laughs> like, no, I didn't ever write one down. I thought I know what it is, but no, we didn't, we didn't have one. And so now thanks to her, you know, we have a mission, we have vision, we have values that really resonate with the business and what we're trying to accomplish. And I think anybody who comes into the business with me from now on has to have an alignment with those things. I really do. And not even just like, a personal story or, or I went through exactly what you did, but if I'm hiring somebody to be client facing and one of my company core values is vulnerability and they don't ever want to open up about themselves, it, you know, like serious right. problem. Right? So there has to be alignment on that level. But then I think also you as a business owner, when somebody's coming into your organization, you have to realize that more than, more than likely they're not going to be with you forever, that they're on their own journey. They're on their own path. Right. And, and that you are a step in that path. So your number one mission at that point becomes aligning what the company needs to accomplish with what that person is hoping to accomplish with that step in their journey. Does that make sense? So yeah. like if I'm trying to grow my business and this person's trying to add X, Y, and Z skill set, or they want to, they want to become a manager and this is where they want to learn how to do that. Or, you know, right, you can come up right. with all kinds of scenarios. Like the, the last intern I had, she was, um, uh, she was working for me for absolutely free. She's finishing her dissertation. In, she's an IO psychology PhD. Um, and so she wanted firsthand experience, client-facing stuff, because it makes her terrified. <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's right. how she was going to grow during that period of time. So I made sure, okay, let's, what do you need from me to do that? And it sometimes takes more handholding, but oh my God, this girl would go above and beyond for me and would just, I, I mean, A, was working for free. So that's first of all above and beyond, but, but B, um, would do things without me asking, would become even more proactive because I had identified early on what she wanted to accomplish while she was there. And this is right. This is not, yeah. this is, it's not task. It's not what right. like she wants to be doing day to day. It's how do I want to grow as a professional while I'm here? And if that's forever, great. Like we'll continue to update that over time, but more than likely it's a season of life. And if you can figure out the unique sweet spot between something that that person can do to add value to your business, whether that's sales, whether that's customer service, whether that's marketing, like who knows, right? Right. But where that meets what that person wants to learn and accomplish, then you're golden, right? Because you have aligned purposes. And so anything that you're asking them to do is something that they would want to do already because they've identified what their major goals are. Um, does that, is that practical? Yeah, that does. So here's my question though on this, because it's a joke among the millennials. Like I put in, uh, and I don't mean to like single out the millennials. I think it's important among everyone. Cause even as a person who's, you know, 40 or 50, they've probably quit their job and are coming somewhere else because Mm -hmm. you know, they see, but 
you know, the joke is, well, I put in eight, eight hours of good work. Why don't you promote me? Or I actually was at a meeting. So I was in a corporate, but I was working my former life. This one girl was like, you know, I don't think this company appreciates me because there are some days that I work over eight hours and I don't get comp time or there's, yeah, yeah. there's some days I work over eight hours. So there's like this joke. So, but let's be honest, not everything that you're going to do is purposeful. Okay. Some days you're going through Excel spreadsheets and it flipping sucks. And some days you're going through, um, you're doing basic tasks that have to get accomplished for the company, but it may not be the sexiest job in the yeah, world. Sure. How do you align that? I mean, I guess for an entrepreneur looking at it, like there are days that I have to get through it, but I'm tied to my why I'm tied to why I'm doing yep, this. It yep. makes all sense. Does that same logic apply to somebody who's, you know, like, listen, you got to kind of put in the effort and put in the work to get to that next phase where maybe there is more room for, more creativity or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. This is, so this is, I think a challenge of not only a gender, uh, you know, we're talking about a specific generation, but I think a, our, like the, all the millennial stuff, it happens every time that people are in their twenties and thirties, right? This is not the first time. I totally went through this in my twenties. <laughs> like I was like, I'm bored. I'm yeah. working hard. Give me more to do. And when they didn't, I'd quit and leave. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. And, and so, so to answer that, what you just said, which was like, people are just going to check out and go if I don't give it like, you have to know, you have to talk to your employees. Like the number of times that, and this sounds stupid maybe, but it's not because people aren't doing it. The number of times that I've given speeches in front of groups of managers and they're like, wait, so sh I should ask them how they think I'm doing as a manager and if I need to do more or different or less or what. And I was like, um, yeah, like there, there's just an epidemic, I think of imposter syndrome and all of us getting to this point where we, <laughs> I remember the day that I realized what a joke being an adult was. It was the day that I realized we're all scared little kids running around just trying to figure it out. Right. Amen. We're all scared little yeah. kids running around trying to figure it out. And so when you're in a leadership role, you can't be afraid to open yourself to the fact that you're a scared little kid trying to figure it out. And so is the person working for you, right? So if you're not honest about that and you pretend like I got this all figured out and I have to uphold myself to this certain level of professionalism all the time, like, no, because right. then you're not a real person and, and no one can connect with you. So the fact that you had times in your previous career where you're like, I'm not getting enough and I'm out means that they screwed up, right? They should have been asking you, <laughs> do you have enough? Or they should have been, um, you know, and, and then it's on you to respond, right? It's on you to, as an employee, right. which first and foremost, I'm going to just say, I can't fix no work ethic. And I don't think that my generation or the quote unquote younger millennials have no work ethic. I think it's, they're just misunderstood. Um, and the problem is that the power is in the hands of the 40s and 50s and 60 year olds and they don't know how to help them help themselves, right? Because right. 20, 20 and 30 year olds have always been confused. We've always not known what to do, but pretended like we did, right? right. Because maybe we think we're supposed to. So now 40 and 50 and 60 year olds are trying to help 20 and 30 year olds who don't know what they're doing, but they don't know how to help them. Right. Right. And, and the younger ones don't know how to help themselves. So that's why this is, is such a big problem right now is that there's this weird confluence, but it's because 
of bigger systemic issues in society that have changed over time. Like there is no changing the fact that, um, you know, my generation and younger is going to want immediate feedback all the time, right? Like you cannot just have one quarterly or one annual performance review with a millennial and think that you're getting any traction with that person. You cannot because they're expecting like someone to like something that they did, right? Or someone to comment with lots of stars and happy faces or send them a Snapchat that, oh, I really love what you posted. And all they did was write a report, right? you know, right? Like, no, like that's, isn't it? And, and yeah. it's, it's, it, our generation is one of, of clear and immediate feedback. Either I like it or I don't. It was good or it wasn't good. You won or you didn't win. Like, that, that's what we want to know. And, and so as a manager, like you have to be talking to your people every day. You talk to your people every day. And if you're a manager or a business owner, your real job is to make sure that those people are more effective and more productive. That's your job, right? right? Your job is not to sit behind your computer and do all the things that you think you need to do that keep you busy and active. Your job is to empower other people to be more productive to scale, right? And right. Then make your business more productive. Um, and until you view your role like that, really nothing, nothing is going to change. Um, but yeah, the bigger question I think about, um, millennials and young professionals kind of being, well, if I'm not getting enough, I'm out of here. I mean, it's a patience factor and the patience factor has changed because our pace of life has changed. It just has, right? Like mm-hmm. globalization, all the connectivity that we have, the immediacy of feedback, like we have raised, I'm a product of this, like a very impatient generation, right? Who wants to get where they want to go as soon as possible and doesn't want to waste any time. And you know what? I've done it and I've been the victim of my own impatience because I, I guarantee too. you, right? Like mm-hmm. my very first job, I knew, so on Wall Street, right? When you start out, you're usually a two-year analyst position. And if you're in anything, like I was in sales and trading, I ended up on the credit desk, which means we were buying and selling or trading the debt of uh, companies, right? So like Toys R Us, which, oh, so sad, uh, you know, right? Or Toys R Us. Uh, I know. <laughs> Jeffrey, a whole, a whole generation that doesn't get Jeffrey. It makes me sad. But, uh, but, you know, we'd trade like Toys R Us bonds or Clear Stores bonds or whatever. But I knew, you know, in the first two years, if you're in credit, you're probably going to be building models for two years. That means you come in every day at 6 a.m., you go to the 7 a.m. morning meeting, and then all day you're in Excel until like 6 or 7 or 8 o'clock at night, right? I knew that that would make me want to put a fork in my eyeball, like immediately knew that. So I wanted to get into a sales role as quickly as possible. Here's the catch 22. And this is where business owners are screwing this up. And this is where young professionals are also screwing themselves over is that my goal was to get somewhere that I wanted to be faster than I should have and faster than would allow me to be good at that thing. Yeah. Right. So like if I had spent two years in you know, in this analyst role, being an, a quote unquote analyst, so somebody who builds models, I would have been a, I would have been such a better salesperson, and probably would have liked it more. But what ended up happening was, I was an analyst for three months, weaseled my way into a sales role because a woman left for maternity leave. I mean, this stuff really happens, right? I was one of the only women there, so yeehaw for me. Uh, but then, you know, now I'm in the sales role, and I have no idea what I'm doing because I don't have the background as an analyst, right? So I shot myself in the foot. And young professionals are doing this all the time, right? We do it all the time. We just want to get where we want to go, but we don't want to... And, and, and older older generations are going to call it what? You know, you've got to... Uh, what's the phrase everybody uses? Like take your licks or you've got to pay your dues, right? Pay your dues. Yeah. Pay your dues. Um, but in reality, it's learn 
you have to learn how to do the job that you want to do because if you fast track it and you get there, A, you're not going to be any good at it, which you're not expecting because we all want to be perfect at everything right away. And B, you're not going to like it. (laughs) Right. Because that's the other thing that my generation did too is if I wasn't good at it, I stopped doing it. Right. Like right. we, and, and we built this generation like that. Right. It was never like, Oh, you know, gr- grow and, and become more well. Right. It was all like, Oh, if you're really good at this, do just that and don't do anything else. And then we'll just keep reinforcing that behavior so that now, you know, we're in the working world. And, and like, if you're not immediately good or promoted or whatever, you're like, A, I'm a failure or B, this isn't right for me. And I'm out. Right. I'm out. Right. So I, but I think it's on both parties to have more interaction with that person. And, and I should have stood up and, and been more vulnerable and said, Hey, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Um, and maybe this was a bad idea, but on wall street, that's not really allowed. Yeah. I was going to say, no, like, as, as a business owner, let me ask this. So yeah. let's say in this position, I know I want to hire you. I like you. I think we fit. Um, yeah. I know maybe you're not ready for to take on a department yet or to take on a, you know, a more leadership role in my company, but I, I like you. Is it just, you know, and so in your situation, is it, listen, you're going to have to do it. Like, I don't want to have to say you're gonna have to pay your dues in order yeah. to like get to that next level. But here's, I, I know you may not, it's just like me as a business owner saying, I know you may not like this as much. I know yeah. you may not love what we're doing, but understand and accept the process. Like this process is going to set you up really well to do the next job. This is where, you know, even being honest and say, I'm, I'm wanting you to do this so I can use the term groom. I don't know, but for a specific position, is it just as simple as just being that blunt and communicating? Like I'm aware you may not like doing this. Please trust me on it. I have something bigger and better for you, but we got to get you through. And this, this, and showing them the plan, right? That, that it's going to happen. This is the plan. Like that's, isn't that why a lot of people end up quitting their jobs? Like I didn't see a future. I didn't see progression, right? If you show them how TPS report number 17 is going to get them to six months from now, something that looks a little sexier, like maybe you're going to have a little bit more uh, buy-in from that person. Right. But I also think the part that we're, that we're, that we're missing too, is that you have to find the right people for the right roles. And, and I, I go back to my intern all the time because she's a perfect example of this. She loved doing the things that I hated. So whereas I, as the business owner, want to be big picture, I want to be speaking, I want to be doing all this fun stuff that I really enjoy doing because I'm good at it. A, she would have hated that, right? Like B, she loved all the other stuff that I didn't want to do. So one right. of the first things I brought her in to do was do research actually on a working with millennials talk, which was funny. She's, she's a PhD. She loves research. She, she dove in before I even hired her and was like, okay, so I've already done this because it was one of the first things that I told her she would have to do if she was brought on board. And, uh, and so she did some of the research before I even hired her. She was that excited about, right? So, so you have to be really good. And whether you use a behavioral assessment or a tool or cognitive assessment or some, I highly recommend behavioral assessments. I use them in my business and I actually also um, sell them to companies, right? So like I work with uh, one called the predictive index specifically that that companies will hire me to come in and advise around. And I think they're brilliant because it allows you to look at what you need as a business owner. Like, what do I need this person to be doing you know, fluidly, frequently, and well, most of the day. What do I need, right? 
And then you go out and that's where most business owners miss it. They're like, I need a body. I just need a person to like, I need help. Like, no, you don't need help. You need help in X or you need help in Y, or you need somebody to answer your emails or somebody to do research for you or write. You need something specific. You don't just need help because sometimes help without any direction is more work. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> right? So then you go and you, whatever tool you use, or if you think you're Yoda and you can read people's minds, whatever, right? But you have to align that person and their strengths and their gifts with yeah. the job that they're coming in for. You have to. And, and when you do it right, the crap that you as a business owner are like, this is going to suck for you to do. That person's usually like, I like this stuff. Right. And so that was the fun part for me with, with my, um, my old intern was that, you know, I would be like, oh, I'm really sorry. You have to do this. She'd be like, what? I love this. I'm like, and I had to remind myself that just because I thought it was a pain in the butt doesn't mean that everybody else would think it's a pain in the butt. Like there are probably pl as many people like me who would have loved that analyst role and would have loved building spreadsheets all day and, and actually don't like talking to people at all. <laughs> you know, they're, just as right. many of them as there are of me. So I think you as a business owner also need to realize like you are not the center of the universe and you're not the only kind of human that exists. And when you start to realize what you're great at, right? What That's you bring point, to the yeah. business, then you can supplement with everyone else things you A, don't want to do and B, would probably suck at. That's exactly. the best part. Like she loved the research and she did so much better than I ever could have at finding all of that data because I'm not a data-driven person, right? I'm an emotional person. Um, so I really think it comes down to really defining well what the roles are in your organization that need to be filled and doing that based on your strengths and your interests because if you don't, you end up creating a cage of your own making, right? If you box yourself into a role that you didn't even want to do in the first place and you've got all these other people doing the things that you want to do, you've screwed up. <laughs> That's a good point too. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the last thing I ever wanted to do. So I think first and foremost, if you're a business leader or an owner, an entrepreneur, or you manage a group or something, think about all the things that that group or business or whatever needs to accomplish to be successful. Decide because you're in charge, you get to do this. Decide which of those you want to do, right? right. Those you'd be good at doing. And then the rest of it goes to someone else. Right. And the rest of it goes to someone else who would feel just as excited about doing those things as you feel excited about doing the things that you chose. Um, and I think it can be that I like simple. It. I really do. Um, but again, I think you've got, if you're not a good people person, like you're the, if you're the analyst and you're building a tech product and like you're so good at software or whatever, but you suck at people, get a tool, right? Like yeah. figure out a way to help yourself. It doesn't matter what it is, something that gives you insight into that person and then be super clear with them about what they're going to be doing every day. Cause you're so right. There's so many young professionals where, you know, you, you, you get exactly what happened to you or exactly what happened to me. Massive burnout. I'm in the wrong role. Nobody recognized any of my strengths or talents and moved me anywhere. And I didn't advocate for myself anyway, cause I was scared to. That's the other part, right? Right. Early twenties are going to pretend like they know what they're doing, even though we all know that they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> uh, and so you, you have to pull it out of them. Right. And, and that's your job as a leader, quite honestly, is, is leadership equals the ability to influence someone to a shared goal. That's it. Right. So know yourself, know what you don't want to do and what you're not good at. And then the hiring process becomes really simple after that, because it's just finding people who want to do those things. And it doesn't matter if you don't like them. That's the other part. That's the sucky part, actually. And that's where we all screwed up, right? Is that we, we hire people like us or we hire people that we like and really like to spend time with. 
who end up being like us <laughs> because that's a true right? point too. Yeah. Psychology 101 is like, likes, like you will always be more attracted and interested and in whatever to people who are like you. And oftentimes very early in a business, you need people the opposite of you. And if you know that going into it and you own it, um, and then are, open about it. Like, like my old intern, I would talk constantly about how we were different and how she actually felt that because I was open about the way that I would approach problems differently than her or that kind of thing that she, she learned from me. And I never frustrated her in a way that I would have if I just pretended like, you know, my way was the highway and, you know, she needed to get on board. Right. And same for me was that I knew a lot more about her. And, and when she wasn't, you know, doing the things that I would expect her to do because they were what I would do. I understood why. Right. So it's, it's, I mean, there's no magic bullet to this. Like it's massive vulnerability. You have to first and foremost, understand yourself. Um, and that's where we all screw up. That's where we all yeah. screw up. Right. Cause we want to think the best of ourselves. We want to think we're Superman and we can do everything, but, um, get straight, get super clear on the role you want to play in your own organization and play it well and let everybody else do the same with some other role. Right. I love it. This is great. I think this is so key. I think this is so important. It makes me more excited for the summit. Uh, so excited. I know. So Tracy's session is going to be June 18th. So you have to get the two-day ticket. hi Yeah. Which, by the way, like everybody's buying the two-day ticket. Yes. Oh, yeah. good. I'm so Nobody's, excited. I thought everybody would be one day or, or I thought it'd be like 50-50. Yeah. Like everybody's going two days. Oh, so. awesome. Because it's going to be awesome. Those tracks are really great. Um, I'm super excited about the one that I'm on. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm very, so, um, but Tracy, if somebody wanted to connect with you to find more about you, where could they go? Yeah. So the website's probably the best and easiest place to go. It's Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, Tim, T-I-M-M dot com. Um, and then my email is Tracy at tracytim.com. So they can reach out directly, um, with any questions and, uh, I, you know, more than happy to help, but there are resources there. I put out, um, a video every single Tuesday and a blog every single Tuesday that has some, something to do with, um, you know, influencing people and finding careers you love and, and really, you know, empowering business owners to do exactly what we're talking about. So there's all kinds of good stuff there, but if you can't find it in any of that, you can reach out to me directly. Or come to the summit and meet. Oh, just saying. Just saying. Summit. Oh, I'm uh, so excited. We're gonna have so much fun. And yeah. it's gonna be what we just talked about here, but you know, on on steroids. It's gonna be a good time for sure. All right. Well, eSummitEvents.com will have all Tracy's information on our notes page too, and you can find her link to her uh, session. We'll have her speaker page. So uh, make sure you check that out. Thank you so much, Tracy. You're so welcome. You guys got this. Thanks for having me. <laughs>